This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. In his second annual message to Congress in 1862, President Lincoln told the Congress that they would not escape history. History will remember us. And indeed, history has remembered the men and women of that day. But how? Today, we'll have a follow-up conversation with historian Gordon McKinney, the most recent biographer of North Carolina's Civil War Governor Zebulon Vance, and Miss Kimberly Floyd, site manager at the Vance Birthplace, an historic site in Weaverville, North Carolina. Stay tuned, and Marcus and I will be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvest Show. I'm Darren Waters, and very glad to be here with you all in the audience, and always glad to be here with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going? It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I'm facing a, a major deadline uh, that's looming over me like a like a like a giant cloud, but um, I'm 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 trying to manage that deadline while also um, drowning in papers. Okay. So how about you? <laughs> you and those deadlines. <laughs> but I know that you've been working on some uh, some some really interesting projects, though. Um, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For, for our audience, I'll just say it. They probably saw it on face, our Facebook page. But you have a new article that just came out uh, recently. Um, tell me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I do. Marcus. So it's an article that uh, proposes a sort of culturally based um, reimagining of the local Asheville Goombay Festival here, which mm-hmm. um, I've, I've been attending for the past few years and uh, I try to I try to suggest some ways that the festival might be reimagined perhaps even reorganized in ways that um, more directly address the problem here the local issue here of African American identity formation well you use the words that I love to hear uh, reimagining mm-hmm. and you have been having conversations that I think they have been trying to reimagine a lot of the history that uh, that this country has kind of gone through and so here we are again having a, a conversation again a follow-up conversation with Dr. McKinney and Kimberly Floyd about the Civil War again so we're back here at the Civil War looking at the Civil War Governor Zebulon Vance in North Carolina. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation that we had recently um, with um, historian David Blight, where mm-hmm. and the, the claim was made that, the, that one of the reasons that the Civil War is such an important moment is that uh, it really resulted in some legislative changes, some constitutional changes that, according to Blight, um, really gave rise to the birth of a new republic. So right. maybe that's a part of the answer to the question of why the Civil War is just something that we cannot seem to know, get away we, from. We keep coming back to this topic, and, you know, we have been talking about uh, the meaning of the Civil War. Mm. What did it mean? Mm. I think that we're still debating this, uh, ongoing discussions about this, but we've also been talking a lot about memory in the Civil Mm. War. Not so much, you know, how uh, the causes of the war, but how the war itself has been remembered, this period in American history. But also, we've talked a little bit about the period that comes after that, the Civil War of Reconstruction, and, you know, how are we as a country dealing with that? So these have been interesting conversations that we've been having. Yeah, and I think what's what's interesting about this is that the meaning of the Civil War, and if I might add, the meaning of Reconstruction uh, really depends upon who you ask right. and, um, <laughs> and what forces have been most influential in shaping that that individual's memory of this period, That's of right. those two periods. That's right. Say. Yeah, who you ask, and I think, you know, regional identity has mm-hmm. a lot to do with that, depending on what part of the country you're in. You have a kind of different take and different memory uh, mm-hmm. about the Civil War. So what we want to do, I think, Marcus, we've, we've set this up really well to go into a conversation with our two guests, but we want to go out for just a few minutes and get ready for our two guests. And Marcus and I will be right back in just a few minutes.
Well, here we are again. If you're just joining us, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters, and we're here coming to you from BPR, Blue Ridge Public Radio at 107.9, having another conversation about uh, North Carolina and the Civil War, or just about the Civil War in general. Many of you probably heard the first conversation that Marcus and I had with Dr. Gordon McKinney and Kimberly Floyd in the lead-up to what was a major symposium, turned out to be a really, really good symposium on Zebulon Vance, entitled Vance Reconsidered. Uh, happened at University of North Carolina at Asheville. I think that it went quite well, but that's just my take on it. But again, our guests are Dr. Gordon McKinney, who is a professor emeritus from Berea College in Berea, Kentucky. And we also have Miss Kimberly Floyd, who is the site director of the Vance Birthplace and Historic Site here in Weaverville, North Carolina. So Dr. McKinney and Kimberly we're glad to have you all here again. Welcome with us. again. Both Thank you. Welcome Thank you. to the show. So, Kimberly, I, you know, it, we don't have to complicate this, right? <laughs> we can just jump right into the basic question. Okay, we had this symposium. Mm-hmm. How did it go? <laughs> uh, well, I would agree with you. I uh, was extremely happy with the symposium. Uh, we had a huge turnout. Um, I mean, over the two days, approximately 500 people uh, came out and heard our speakers. Um, you know, one of the main goals for me and when this all started um, was to simply just to start discussion, um, have more dialogue around Vance. And uh, I think the presentations were very honest and balanced. Um, with discussing Vance and the people he represented. Um, you know, we talked about the people he represented, the, mm-hmm. the white South and the fact that he was a slave owner and and saw African-Americans as second-class citizens. I wanted people to um, hear the facts and be able to make conclusions on their own. Right. And I think that's what happened. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people who have said to me before the symposium, you know, i won't even come to the site. I won't mm-hmm. step foot on the property because he was a Confederate. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I understand that sentiment, um, I would encourage people to have the discussion. Right. And that's what the symposium was supposed to do. Um, one of the moments that stuck out to me was in the morning panel. Uh, Dr. Joe Mobley was one of our um, panelists, mm-hmm. and he's a Vance scholar and mentor of mine. And when he started talking about the monument debate, and uh, he said when the debate had started that he first thought that um, taking down monuments was, was a little dramatic. Mm-hmm. And he said that as the debate had continued, uh, he had a better understanding and actually agreed that some of the monuments should be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really struck me because I don't think the point of the discussion is necessarily to change people's minds always, but um, just to create more understanding. And I, and I think that's what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Kimberly, I mean, you know, this was this symposium. This was an event that that uh, had the potential of being um, <laughs> at best controversial, at worst uh, incendiary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being the case, uh, how would you gauge the public response to the symposium thus far? Have you ha- have you been able to get a sense of what people are are saying about the symposium about the symposium now right. that we're sort of out of the of that right. event. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was a lot of really good feedback um, when it was happening and right after, and I've had a lot of good feedback since. Um, first, I'll touch on the response that was happening kind of at it um, during it. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get 
everyone's questions. There were so many questions after the speakers. Um, but from what I could tell, um, many of the people who came uh, agreed with our speakers. Um, but Darren, I think, actually pointed out in the morning panel, if you looked around in that panel discussion, that room um, was full of white people. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I was surprised that a lot of people agreed with what was being said. It was a very, um, it, we ended up with a very, um, a crowd that, that I was expecting that from. Um, so I think what I was hoping for was to have a more comprehensive conversation, and I think that needs to have everyone involved. So when you have large communities and groups of people who don't come, it makes it harder to have that comprehensive conversation. Um, but... There and there's been so much debate, you know, around Vance's legacy or lack thereof, as I said at the symposium. Um, I was hoping that we could have a little more dialogue. It has all been positive, and that's mm -hmm. great. Don't get me wrong; I put it together. I'm glad, but um, you know, I and I will say I've had a lot of people who have come to the site since the symposium ended and said, mm. "Oh, I heard you on the Waters and Harvey show," yeah. or "I came to the symposium," and. I had no idea until that time that your site um, wasn't just about Vance and the Confederacy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that the t that's not even the time period. The Civil War is not the time period of our site. Right. Um, so because, that's been good. Because Kimberly Leone lived there for. He was really only born there. He right? was born so, there. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. He was born there in 1830, and by the late 1830s, the family doesn't live there anymore. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. yeah, and I think that a number of people weren't familiar with that with that piece right. of the story. Right. Right. So, so Dr. McKinney, you you participated in this event as well. I mean, you are. Uh, I would say right now the foremost scholar on uh, uh, on Vance, <laughs> you know Vance. I would say you've you've heard the saying, you know someone or you know a subject like the back of your eyelids because we you know when we're sleeping that's what we're studying. So you are the expert, um, and I, I'll say it here again: you have corrected me on some things, which are <laughs> which is par for course. <laughs> but I would like to hear from you as well, Dr. McKinney. How do you feel the uh, symposium went? Well, uh, like Kimberly, I had a, a very positive reaction to it. But I, I th from what we have said so far, um, your listeners may conclude that uh, what we had to say was almost uniformly positive about Vance and that the audience essentially agreed with that. Uh, but I think, in fact, uh, everybody on the panel uh, pointed out shortcomings of Governor Vance, and not just Vance himself, but the people around Vance as well, and uh, that the historic site is a place where that type of discussion can be yeah. furthered, right. uh, that we don't have to stop just with the symposium. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really crucial right. because it gives teachers and others a chance to pursue, uh, to pursue this mm -hmm. uh, with an existing state historic site. Right. And so... It was positive both in the sense that uh, the assessment of Vance was, I think, fair, mm -hmm. critical, but fair, 
and that it opened up a pathway to a greater use of a resource that we have right here in Buncombe County. Right. Now, a question I want to pose to you, Dr. McKinney, is, is I'm sort of just uh, projecting back a question that was posed uh, to me um, um, right before the symposium and the question was you know why why is it important to renew a conversation specifically around the figure of zebulon vance i mean uh, especially given for example the long history um in uh, in this region of, of the african-american experience being elided right um covered up um ignored dismissed um in favor of other historical experiences that were deemed um more important more normative why was it important in your opinion um to to focus in this symposium on the figure of zebulon vance mm -hmm. vance was a very popular public figure uh, when he died, he died in Washington, D.C., in the United States Senate. And um, when he was buried in Asheville, he had come all that way home by train. And about every 10 or 15 miles, the train, once it got in North Carolina, the train stopped, and poor whites and African Americans crowded the train to see the casket. So there was something about fans that appealed to all segments of North Carolina society which isn't true of an awful lot of, of uh, public figures. And so by focusing on Vance, it gives us an opportunity to talk about a much broader segment of North Carolina society mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than we would other public figures. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is an important point to make. And it, what I'd like to do, too, in, in thinking about um, – the symposium overall because it started that thursday night with david blight um and i know dr mckinney you you made some points uh, in the earlier conversation the previous conversation that we had about the importance of of david as a participant and how he would set up what would happen the following day how do you think that went and you know i'd like for both of you kimberly to, to respond to that as well, because you may have different perspectives about that. You know, how was that opening night with uh, with David Blight? Well, uh, for me, the there's something of a problem. Uh, Dr. Blight has written a lot of books, and I've read a couple of them. And so what he said there was probably new to most of the audience, but it was something that I was already familiar with. Uh, but what he did was he brought into question our m collective memories of what that was and pointed out to us that memories are shaped by our needs. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily what actually happened, but by our needs. Right. And so each generation has a different memory 
Not because the facts change, but because our needs change. Uh, You know, I would agree with McKinney. I was also uh, very familiar with Dr. Blight and uh, many of his books and what he's written about. Um, You know, Dr. Blight said the Confederacy lost the war on the battlefield but won the war over memory. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of uh, goes back to the earlier question of of why Zebulon Vance? Why are we doing this again? Um, And I think... Blight made those points that that were important. Um, The memory of the Civil War started as soon as it ended. It started Mm -hmm. during Reconstruction, and there has been a debate, and there has been a battle over that memory since the last gun went down. So, um, And he set that stage for us to think about um, what was that memory, how was it shaped during Reconstruction, and and what, um, how has it affected the memory today, and where are we now, and then how are we going to continue forward? And I think that was that was the whole point of the symposium mm-hmm. is to start that discussion. How are we going to continue forward? All right. Yeah. And I, I will pose this 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 issue to to both of you as well. Um, do you feel that um, you know now that we're beyond the the symposium? Uh, that we now sort of have developed a better sort of understanding of the of the controversies surrounding Zebulon Vance and also how the Confederacy is remembered, or would you say that um, there's there's much much more work to do? Uh, well, well tell us about that. I, I I think there's a missing piece. Okay. Uh, and um, in his talk, Dr. Blight really didn't put an emphasis on this, but in his writing, he has. He says there are three narratives. There's the northern white narrative, the lost cause narrative of southern whites, Mm -hmm. and an African-American narrative. And uh, that narrative really wasn't a major part of the symposium. And so I think if we're talking about unfinished business, that is the major unfinished portion of the symposium. So, Dr. Dr. McKinney, that's an important point to make. So how do we get there? I mean, what what do we need to do? I mean, it was, you know, um, you know, I participated in, in this conversation as well. Um, and, and Kimberly, you've already noted that that was the one thing that I saw that, you know, you didn't have um, many African Americans who participated in this conversation, which I think that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, Dr. McKinney, you, you have brought this up. How do we how do we begin to deal with that part of, of, of this of this history? A most important part of that, Darren, is going to have to be that the African American community demand <laughs> that this be addressed, not simply in the sense on the street, but academics and students and a lot of others, teachers in the public schools and so on, are going to have to, to demand that this set of issues be addressed. Right, right, right. Uh, If it comes, in a sense, from the top down, 
it's not going to touch the people that need to be touched. Right, right. And so this is a case where, for their own self-interest, people are going to have to be aggressive right. about this. Well, you know, and it, it, hearing you say that, it makes me think of uh, Frederick Douglass's uh, the, a quote from Frederick Douglass that power yields nothing without a demand. So the demand has to be made. It, this could take us down a you know a, a real you know down a major road, a major conversation here. Because one of the things I know that David does in his book Race and Reunion, he talks about the fact that even African American memory in the late 19th century, it it became dominated really by a more conservative contingency within the African-American community, largely represented by people like Booker T. Washington. Um, And and then also I was struck by the fact that he has also said, um, Dr. McKinney, that African-Americans tended to not really want to look back at the whole slavery piece, you know, that the history of African-Americans and African-American progress started with emancipation. But I'm wondering how you feel about how African-Americans themselves have dealt with the slave past and if that could be a starting point to getting us to the place where we would begin to demand a reconsideration of, of, of civil war and reconstruction history, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I had the great good fortune to teach at Berea College, and one of Berea College's students was Carter Woodson, who founded the Journal of Negro History, which is now the Journal of African American History. And uh, the uh, Negro History Day which became Black History, Black Month. History Month mm-hmm. after stretching to a week and right, so on. Right. Uh, but Woodson was a single person. Now, one of the very first African-American PhDs in American history, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, he worked and gathered people around him and he didn't give up, and much of what we know about the African-American past today, we owe, at least in part, to Carter Woodson. And so we need someone like that who didn't come from well-educated parents. He was the first in his family to go to college and all of that type of thing. And so... We we need someone like that to to really drive yeah. to drive this. Yeah. Kimberly, what do you uh, think? Well, um, as y'all have been discussing it, um, I would say you know ne- what's next. Um, you know, use your public resource, use mm. the Vance birthplace. Um, as I said earlier in the conversation, you know, um, I have gotten quite a few responses where people just won't even come to the site mm-hmm. and won't have anything to do with it. And, um, you know, from our perspective, we're going to continue to grow our interpretation and be as open to all stories as possible. Um, we've done a lot of work out at the site researching the slave community there and released a lot of information this past February. Um, we want to look for opportunities to engage the community. Um, it's everyone's site. Right. And if People, if everyone doesn't get involved, it makes it very difficult um, for staff at the site 
to be able to continue that mission of telling every story. Right. Um, so, you know, um, it, 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 there is a demand right. there, and, and we need it, and we want it. So I'm seeing Dr. Harvey here uh, jumping at the bits. He's <laughs> on the edge of his seat. I'm going to bring him in here, but I, I don't know if he's going to tell you this or not, uh, Dr. McKinney, but I will, you know, because it's my godson. Uh, but his son is Carter, named after, named for Carter G. Woodson. So uh, I had to throw that in there, brother. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. No, I had a question, Dr. McKinney. Uh, you mentioned that, um, that, that a demand needs to be placed on the part of the African American by the African American mm-hmm. community to really address this this third narrative that that, that David Black delineates. Um, at the same time, there seems to be a growing pressure um, in our country, especially given the current political climate, to really start a national conversation about this period of American history. My question is, should that national conversation occur before this third sort of um, suppressed narrative? has had an opportunity to um, to be articulated, to develop, um, and to really be well understood um, by, by those outside of this experience. Does that make sense to you? Uh, it, it does, mm-hmm. but I, I think it is setting up kind of a false dichotomy. Okay. Uh, I think this conversation needs to take place at several levels. Mm-hmm. The most important one is the lev- the discussion within the African American community, mm-hmm. uh, and that that is critical. If the community isn't involved, then yeah. whatever comes out is is not going to reach the people it needs to right, reach. Right. Uh, and then. Once that has been started, it doesn't have to go all the way to completion, but once it's been started, then other people can become involved. But that critical discussion has got to take place within the African-American community. And once they have taken hold of it, then we can have a broader discussion. Which can take place while that other discussion is is, is going on. Well, I tell you that it really is a good way to end it, it right is. here because that leaves us with something to really think about. Mm-hmm. And so, Dr. McKinney and Kimberly, we want to thank you all for coming back thank in and both. joining us again. The time just went by too fast. And Kimberly, thank you for what you've done with this, and we'll look forward to seeing what comes up next. Marcus and I'll be back in a minute. Well, this is the Waters and Harvest Show. I'm Darren Waters. This has been a very, very interesting and deep, and I think a, a very thought-provoking conversation, Marcus. I mean, uh, Dr. McKinney, both Kimberly, and I want to thank Kimberly for uh, actually initiating this effort, because I think one thing that I got out of the symposium altogether was that I think that um, the symposium modeled how a conversation like this can look mm-hmm. because it was a very cordial conversation. Um, no one threw chairs at each other or anything as, as this conversation <laughs> occurred. And I think that this that we modeled very well for the larger community what this conversation could look like. So I want to thank Kimberly for doing that. Definitely. And then the point that Dr. McKinney just made, I think, is an important one. This is key. And I think, you know, um, what I would really encourage listeners to take away from this is that the question of memory is not a passive 
sensitive question, especially with respect to marginal communities. Rather, we're talking about terrain that is that is that is highly contested, that is infused with political agendas and that must be fought for mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Right. And so it really becomes um, a, a kind of a sociocultural campaign that people have to summon the will to engage in right. in, in order to, to bring about um, change. Well, as I've said before, I'm going to start calling you the closer because you've just closed <laughs> it out very well. But uh, thank you all for joining us. And Marcus and I want to remind you again that the Waters and Harvey Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google play and follow us and get in touch on facebook and twitter and thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you next time thank you bye